Hey guys, I'm Kayla Taylor and you're tuned into the Listen to Me Speak podcast. We are on episode 15 and 15 is my lucky number. So I, of course, am manifesting positive things for this episode. Anybody who knows me knows that I am a, I'm very big on the power of positive manifestation. You know, every great thing that's happened in my life, I feel like I've manifested and, and asked for and just, you know, I just felt like would come true if I worked hard for it and if I kept telling myself that it would happen it it would so I'm a huge believer in that so hopefully uh the number 15 lives up to its name for me for this episode but I'm pretty sure it will um I want to say a quick thank you to everybody who's been supporting my podcast I say it every week but I just want you guys to know how much I appreciate you sharing my podcast on your social media, telling your friends about it, listening every week. I appreciate all of that. A special shout out to my family because they never miss a single episode and my mom and my Nana's promo game, my dad's too, the way they share my podcast every week on Facebook, it means a lot and it reaches more people each time they do it. So I also have to give a shout out to them because they share it and you know that's how I gain more listeners and I said specifically um my mom because my friends always joke like oh like even when I did my radio show oh your mom really like you have to make her your a part of your a part of your promo team because she's just on it with the sharing it like her captions are always better than mine like she's just really good at um promoting my promoting my stuff so I appreciate it ma so let's get into this episode I have a lot to cover so Hopefully you are okay with listening to me ramble for like 40 minutes to an hour. Let's let's get into things. So I want to start off the episode by talking about Ariana Grande breaking the damn internet last week by announcing that she's giving us an album this month. Which pissed me off only because I had just said in last week's episode that I couldn't see her dropping an album this year because of all of the music she's already released. She proved me all the way wrong, though. And even though I said she didn't need to drop an album anytime soon, I'm still super excited that she is, duh. Ariana provides quality albums, and I'm sure this one will be no different. Um, I was kind of hoping that she didn't re- that she wouldn't release a lead single for this album because I wanted to be completely surprised. And I don't want to hear what the album was going to sound like until she released it, but... Um, that's not the case because she announced that her, um, new single Positions is coming out this Friday. So we are getting a lead album and we'll most likely get a music video for it. But again, I can't complain. Um, I also thought that if she, by not releasing a lead single, it would prevent me and other people from having high expectations for what the album is going to sound like. It's kind of hard to have them when you don't have any indicator of what an album is going to sound like before it's released. Um, But this is also very unlike Ariana because she usually can't keep her mouth shut about details surrounding her music. She's always posting snippets or giving things away. And in the beginning, she was really, really silent about this album. She kind of just tweeted, hey, I can't wait to give you my album this month. And then she just dipped and she wasn't even liking tweets. But then over the course of a couple of days, she slowly made her way back to Twitter, liking certain tweets and giving certain things away, like how many tracks would be on the album, which more than is supposed to be more than 12. And she even liked the tweet confirming that she would be releasing a lead single before the album. And then she posted a slow motion video on Twitter of her typing the title of the song. And a lot of people are assuming that the album is called Positions because on her countdown on her website, um, 
it just says positions and it has two different countdowns. It has one for the single and one for the album. So because there's no other title up there, people are assuming it's positions. I'm not crazy about the album title, um, but if the music is good, I really don't care. Um, back to expectations though. Um, with Sweetener, I expected um, it to top Dangerous Woman or be just as good. And with Thank You Next, I expected it to top Sweetener, which it did. Um, but this time around, I'm just hoping the music is good. You know, even if now that we're getting a lead single, no matter what this lead single is going to sound like, I don't think my expectations for the album is going to be super high because this was a surprise. I was not expecting her to release another album until maybe 2021, the latest. So I'm just excited to have an album from her and um, I just hope that it's good. I'm sure it will be. Um, like I said, even though it's supposed to be more than 12 songs, I don't know how many songs this album is going to end up having. I hope more, not more than 15 because with albums, you know, any track list above 15 songs tends to have like a lot of fillers on it. Um, there are a few rare cases like with Kiana Lady's album, Kiki, didn't have a whole bunch of fillers on that album. And I think that album was over 18 songs, maybe even in the 20 range. Um, but I just hope that this, this new album is, is, um, what's the word? It's concise and it doesn't have too many fillers. I was thinking of another word to, to say that better, but it slipped my mind, but I'm sure you guys know what I mean. Um, I had a theory that the album would drop October 30th because I personally think Drake is dropping this Friday before his birthday. And because they're both on the same label, which is Republic, I didn't think that Drake and Ariana would drop on the same day. And of course I ended up being right because she announced the um, release date for her album. I'm super excited for, like I said, I'm super excited for all of this. I'm pretty sure my dad kind of already admitted that I'm driving him crazy with my Ariana Grande talk on Twitter, but me and all my friends, my little sister, who's also a fan of Ariana Grande, I think Ariana is one of the few artists we have in common. We were all kind of shocked when Ariana announced that she was dropping an album. So that's like all we can talk about. And also the great thing, like when artists announce that they're releasing a new album, even the announcement is kind of the beginning of promo because fans like me where when we hear oh Ariana or Drake or Beyonce they're dropping a new album it makes us want to revisit some of our favorite albums and that's exactly what I've been doing I've been revisiting Dangerous Woman and Thank You Next and Sweetener in preparation for this album it's just the thing I do and I realize that it's a thing a lot of people actually do before I get off the topic of Ariana, I did want to talk about some of the discourse that's been happening online. So after Ariana had announced the title of her song Positions, and based off of past snippets that she's released already this year, um, a lot of her fans were disappointed that she was making sexual music and kind of like critiquing it and trying to say that her making a sexual album is not going to be as good as Thank You Next and Sweetener because it had, you know, songs about mental health on the album. And I guess in these days, when you talk about mental health, that's the depth that people want. They don't particularly want things outside of that from her. I feel like Ariana Grande has had a rough couple of years, um, to say the least, I think more than rough. She's had a, a horrible couple of years with Max passing, with her concert being bombed and her other things going on in her personal life. So obviously Sweetener and Thank You Next reflected that dark time, but now it seems like she's in a healthier and happier relationship. She seems to be in a better place or as good of a place as you can be in 2020. 
I feel like her music should reflect that. I don't want to hear a bunch of depressing songs from her just because she knows that's what some of her fans want. She's trying to recapture the magic she found on Sweetener and Thank You Next. I feel like if an artist is genuinely happy, their art should reflect that because if you're happy and you're still making depressing music, it's also not going to sound as genuine as it did. Like That's something I say with The Weeknd all the time. A lot of his fans want him to make the depressing... I'm addicted to drugs type of music that he was making earlier in his career. But if The Weeknd genuinely is not in that place anymore, his if he tries to even make music like that and he's not in that place, it's just going to sound forced. That's why I liked Starboy so much because it was kind of, it was a very different sound from The Weeknd. You could tell he was in a different place in his life and his career. And to me, I know I'm one of the minority who thinks this, but I think Starboy's his best album. And so I feel like with Ariana Grande, Positions sounds like it's just gonna be a fun album music she decided to make during quarantine because there's nothing else left to do and back to the topic of her making songs about sex and people critiquing her for that they're always going to critique women for making songs about sex i had this conversation about WAP a few episodes ago but ariana grande is a grown woman in three years she's going to be 30 I know she doesn't look it, she looks 16, but she's a grown-ass woman. She's not Cat Valentine, she's not on Nickelodeon anymore. And if she wants to talk about sex in her music, I don't see a problem with that. She's grown, and if you have a problem with that, you can either not listen to her album, or maybe you're too young to be listening to her, because Ariana Grande hasn't made a clean album since her first since her first album, since her debut, all of her albums afterward, especially from Dangerous Woman onward, have either had explicit songs on the album or there's innuendos about sex or just sometimes it's blatant that she's talking about sex, like in songs like Side to Side and Every Day. On Sweetener, there's some um, innuendos as well. So it's not like Ariana Grande is new to making more mature music. Dangerous Woman was kind of like the official turn for her from being an ex-act on Nickelodeon to now being a grown adult making the music that she wants to make. So I kind of found it funny that people were having this discourse online about her making sexual music because she's a grown woman. And honestly, I've been a fan of her since Victoria. So as she's growing and getting older, I'm growing and getting older too. And I don't want to hear a whole bunch of focus types of songs or um, Honeymoon Avenue types of songs. Like those are some of my favorite records, don't get me wrong, but they also sounded like it was coming from an artist who just got off of Nickelodeon, who was now slowly trying to make the transition into being her own artist and leaving that life behind. But now she's 27 and she should be making more mature music. You know, I don't want to see her running around stage with a bunch of, with, with cat ears anymore. Like, this is, she's a new, she's not a new artist. I mean, she's in a different place in her life. And, you know, songs about mental health are great and they should be made. And she's made them. Breathe In is a great record for that um, type of topic. It's actually my ringtone. I love that song. But you shouldn't pigeonhole her. I hope I said that right. You shouldn't pigeonhole her into making those types of songs on every album or making depressing music on every album. I feel like that also causes artists to kind of have a little bit of a mental break because they feel like they can't escape out of that box that fans keep trying to force them into. You know, the true test of a great artist is an artist who can evolve each time and you know, as much as I, w- I loved the Dangerous Woman album, I don't need a whole bunch of Dangerous Woman sounding, t- you know, albums. I-, I want her to evolve and just for her art to reflect um, where she is in life genuinely. That's where the best music comes from. So y'all can stop all that 
critiquing her online type of stuff. I mean, if if you have such a problem with her making that sexier types of music, like I said, just don't listen to it. All in all, I think that um, when it comes to stand culture, sometimes they can just be, it can be annoying to see online because they're never satisfied. They always have to pick things apart, especially Ariana Grande stands. It's like she can never do anything that pleases everybody. But for me as a fan, I just want the music to be good and I'm excited for her album to drop. Moving on, Nicki Minaj broke her little hiatus by announcing she was on um, the whole lot of Choppa's remix and also announced the gender of her baby, a little baby boy, which of course the internet and myself got a kick out of considering her many, all these bitches is my son's lines. Which by the way, those bars are going to hit even harder now that she actually has a son. But again, congrats to Nicki on her new bundle of joy. Onto the whole lot of Choppa's remix. I think every Nicki fan can agree that Nicki was back on her shit on this remix. Her verse really reminded me um, of the times Nicki would drop a freestyle remixing other artists' songs on SoundCloud or even during her mixtape days, which I know as a Nicki fan is annoying to hear because that's all people say on Twitter. I want mixtape Nicki back. I want mixtape Nicki back. But I, it was, I think this time you can actually hear that she kind of went back... Um, to those times and I think that what made her mixtape so great is that she was having fun and it sounds like she was having fun on this remix. One of the reasons I love Nicki is because she can ride any beat she spits on and this is no different. She rode the absolute hell out of this beat and I know a lot of you guys agreed on Twitter because I tweeted it and a few of you guys retweeted and liked it. Um, this production is quirky and it sounds kind of nuts. It sounds like something out of the 80s, very disco inspired, and I can see why it went viral on TikTok because the beat has a lot of high energy and it just seems fun to dance to. I'm not crazy about Sada Baby as a rapper based on what I've heard, a couple of verses I've heard from him here and there, but I do like Nicki's verse so I saved it on Spotify and it's like somebody said on Twitter, once Nicki hops on a remix of your track, it's her song. It belongs to her. That's just what it is. Um, there's really nothing else to really say about this song, but I will say I didn't realize how much I missed Nicki until I heard her verse on this. Whenever she does drop another album, I'm expecting it to be her last now that she has a baby, and that'll be a really bittersweet day because Nicki Minaj is one of my favorite rappers. Um, I definitely don't think she's dropping an album anytime soon. I know a lot of her fans were hopeful that her fifth album would be coming, you know, after she had her baby, but I just feel like she should have that time to bond with her son and just to enjoy motherhood without the stress of um, the industry and putting together an album. For all I know, she could have recorded her album before she, you know, gave birth to her son. But either way, I'm not expecting it to drop anytime soon. And, you know, I just hope, like I said, she takes that time for herself and her family and just kind of gives the social media thing a break like she's been doing because I think that she is more peaceful when she's not on social media for sure. My favorite line on um, the whole lot of um, Choppa's remix, of course, comes from Nikki's verse, which is, bitches done in them hand-me-down bags. It's sad. Burberry plaid, you and that drip that I already had. Because you know I love when Nikki talks her shit. Nobody's fucking with the queen, period. And I know a lot of y'all love that line too. It really is one of the standouts of her verse. It seemed to be a Young Money Friday in general because Nicki, Drake, and Wayne all hopped on remixes. Um, Drake is featured on Young Blue's remix of Your Mind Still, which came about when Drake sent Young Blue a DM on Instagram asking to get on a remix of the song. A little bit about the track. 
Uh, I love the moody production on the song. It's nothing super crazy, but it sounds like something Drake would get on, so it shouldn't be a surprise that he wanted to get on it and that he absolutely killed it. Um, Drake's verse on this track is one of the reasons I'm a fan of his. Once you get Drake in that, quote, reminiscing, I miss my ex, she did me dirty type of bag, you know he's gonna body it, and of course he did. This is the energy I need Drake to be on Certified Lover Boy because with a title like that, I need Drake to kind of be in his moody bag like he was on Take Care. I wouldn't even be mad if um, Certified Lover Boy was an extension of Take Care without being a direct sequel. Kind of like Anniversary is an ext- extension of Trap Soul and Thank You Next is like the darker counter um, part of Sweetener. That's kind of what I'm hoping for on Certified Lover Boy. I know I keep saying that I want him on this type of energy, I've said it in past episodes, but um, being that Drake is taking his time with this album, I feel like it's probably going to be one of his better body of works in a, a while. My favorite line from Drake's verse is, quote, pretty face, pretty tempted, but pretty taught me ugly lessons. Pretty had me given more than I was getting, so if pretty don't come with something well, then I did it. Because I think we've all been there before, you know, getting caught up in somebody's looks and then realizing they actually have a terrible personality, which I think is one of the worst realizations you could come to. And I also think that Drake has mastered the art of knowing how to phrase things in ways we all think in our heads, which is why he's a hit maker. He knows what people want to hear and what they want to say. I'm definitely going to have this song in rotation, and I just might have to give Young Blue a listen because I also like his voice on this track. I know I talked mostly about Drake, but I don't know if he's a singer or a rapper. I know a lot of the blogs that I that I read articles um, from where they were talking about the song said that he was a rapper, but they always call Ty Dolla Sign a rapper as well, and he's not. So, um, But I do like... Um, this song, I even like um, Young Blue's um, verses on this song, so I might have to give that album a listen. I don't remember what it's called, um, but I do know that the remix with Drake is on the um, deluxe version of it, so I'm definitely going to have to check it out, and then, you know, if I get to listen to it before next week's episode, I'm definitely going to tell you guys what I think. Moving on, Justin Bieber released the second single off of his upcoming album, and the song is called Lonely. It's produced by Benny Blanco and co-written by um, Benny Blanco, and I believe you pronounce his name as Phineas, um, and he's Billie Eilish's brother and frequent collaborator. You can definitely hear Phineas's influence in the writing and even in the way that Justin phrases certain words. The song showcases a deeper side to Justin's vulnerability. He's had songs like Down to Earth and Life is Worth Living, but Lonely is vulnerable in a different, more heartbreaking way, and it could be now that he it's because he's an adult and you know I'm pretty sure by now whether you're a fan or not you've read enough articles to know that Justin Bieber has had a rough few years um the song is about the curse of obtaining fame at an early age he had it all at 14 but despite this he still felt lonely and abandoned by the people who should have been there for him and it wasn't until I watched his season's documentary on YouTube and Justin's interview with Zane Lowe that I realized just how fractured his relationship was with his parents because they abandoned him when he needed them the most and being abandoned by a parent is like a different and more painful type of loneliness that I definitely don't wish on anybody um I've been a fan of Justin since the beginning and that's what makes this song a little more emotional because as he grew up I grew up listening to his music too and when I was young I thought he was so blessed and he is and very privileged do not get me wrong 
But now as we're both adults and he's now sharing his actual experience behind the glitz and glam, you now realize how hard it actually must have been to be that depressed and having to force yourself to continue working even if you don't feel well mentally, especially when you're as young as 13 or 14 years old and you probably don't really understand what depression is and, and exactly what you're feeling. Um, during most of the song, Justin sings in a deeper pitch that he doesn't do very often, and it makes the song kind of ache more, especially against the lone keyboard that's playing. Like, the production, there's not a whole lot to it except for really the lone keyboard. Um, but this is the vulnerability that changes lacked, and I'm glad that he's digging deeper this time around. The song is beautiful, and Justin sounds great, and I'm really looking forward to this album. I know I'm not... Um, alone in thinking that Justin sounds great on this track and I think a part of the reason is because he doesn't often sing as deep as he's singing on this track he usually sings in in his typical falsetto he he does a lot of high notes and runs and things like that but on lonely he keeps it very simple and I think that's what makes like I said it makes the song sound even more heartbreaking like you can you can tell that he's kind of singing from a painful place um, but yeah, Lonely is a great track, Holy was a great track, and so I think this is a good indicator of the album being good and being a proper follow-up to Purpose. Moving on from Justin Bieber, I wanted to talk about Brandy, who released a part two to her song No Tomorrow from her album B7, and part two features Ty Dolla Sign. No Tomorrow's was one, no, No Tomorrow was one of my favorites off of B7, so I was happy to hear a part two with Ty Dolla Sign because he's one of my favorites. Their voices sound really, really beautiful on this track together. I think they harmonize really well. By now, we know Brandy is extremely skilled at stacking her vocals and creating beautiful harmonies and smooth-ass runs. And No Tomorrow Part 2 is no different. And Ty Dolla Sign's voice just highlights um, whatever... Um, Ty Dolla Sign's voice already highlights what Brandy brings to the table. It's everything you'd expect from the two of them. If Brandy and Ty ever wanted to release a joint project together, I would be so here for it because I wish Ty would get on more tracks like this. And this isn't their first collaboration. They collaborated on Ty Dolla Sign's debut album, Free TC, on a song called LA. And it's a beautiful track. It's got um, James Fauntleroy and Kendrick Lamar on it as well. It's really, really beautiful. And so I would love if they ever decided to link up and do more songs together, I would be here for it for sure. Speaking of Ty Dolla Sign, he released his album cover and switched his album title from Dreamhouse to featuring Ty Dolla Sign. Um, thank God, because I wasn't crazy about Dreamhouse as a title. I'm not as cr I'm not super crazy about featuring Ty Dolla Sign, but I love the the reasoning behind it. And if you don't know, there's a running thing on Twitter that says, you know, if the song is featuring Ty Dolla Sign, then it's gonna be fire, which is true. He usually elevates the track. He usually elevates the tracks that he's featured on, um, so that's why even though I don't love the album title featuring Ty Dolla Sign, I love the theme. Um, but sometimes, you know, his solo stuff doesn't live up to um, a lot of his work on features, so a lot of people, including myself, feel like this album is going to be a good one because he thrives best when he's collaborating with people, so he's now going to bring that energy onto one of his albums. I'm usually not a fan of albums that have constant features, but since this is the theme of this album and it's Ty Dolla Sign, I'm more than okay with it. Um, he definitely needed to get away from albums with, that has the title House in it. It's just like he's got several different um, versions of Beach House. Like there's three, 
in the series. So for him to finally finish with the Beach House series and then start his next album and call it Dream House, I felt like he wasn't really getting away from the Beach House theme all that much. Um, but unlike last week, like I said on the last episode, I'm now looking more, I'm now looking forward to this album more. And it seems like he's looking forward to it a little bit more now because he's been promoting it a little bit more. He dropped a, a new single um, with Janae Ayuko and Mustard, and he's been promoting his album like he typically promotes his album. So I don't know if when he announced the album um, release date a few weeks ago, if that was just him giving us something before he really started promoting it. But when he just tweeted the the um, release date backwards and didn't say much, I'm like, well, is he even excited for his own album? Because he's barely talking about it. But I think that um, it was definitely smart for him to rename the album. And it was definitely smart for him to capitalize on this theme, considering, like I said, it's been a running joke on Twitter for the past few weeks. So I'm really, really looking forward to hearing what featuring Ty Dolla Sign is going to sound like. Moving on to something a little bit different, LA's Finest was canceled after two seasons last week. I finally figured out, by the way, that it was listed as having two seasons because it's a spectrum. It was a spectrum series originally, but due to the pandemic, Fox didn't have a lot of new TV content to air, so they decided to rerun the first season. Apparently, the show was canceled due to delays and most likely the pandemic. You know, over the past few months, I've been we've all been seeing shows that were renewed for another season getting it their renewal reversed and now becoming canceled, which really really sucks. I'm not entirely shocked that the show was canceled because it's not a great show. It had some potential, but it isn't a super strong show. Um, and considering there are tons of cop shows out there, LA's Finest isn't a standout. I'll probably finish season one, but I'm not going to bother with watching the second season if Fox chooses to play it. Um, My dad and I were talking a little bit about this a couple of days ago, and I always forget that LA's Finest is actually a spinoff of the Bad Boys movies, and that they talked about doing a show based off of Bad Boys for a long, long time, specifically based on Gabrielle Union's character, and it never came about until recently, and we both agreed that if they had put the show out not that long after Bad Boys 2 had come out, or even not that long after the third Bad Boys movie came out, they really could have recaptured uh, some, um, they could have recaptured some of the appeal and maybe get some of the fans from the Bad Boys movie, from the Bad Boys movies on board, but because they took so long for it, and because the show is kind of, I don't want to say confusing, but some of the background concerning some of the characters are not clear like a lot of Gabrielle Union's history doesn't make sense to me and um I forgot that her character was technically based in Miami and now she's in LA and it's also not clear when she decided to go from Miami to LA so it's little things like that that's kind of confusing even more so if you're like a bad boys fanatic you're gonna pick up on that right away um but like I said I'm not entirely shocked that it was canceled because unfortunately it just wasn't a strong show but you know because I'm a fan of Gabrielle Union I'm going to finish season one and hopefully um Gabrielle Union stays with a bag like she stays chasing a bag there's certain people that they you can always find them with the job kind of like Sierra so I'm pretty sure Gabrielle Union is gonna find another show to be on 
Um, so it's not going to hurt her that much. Same with Jessica Alba. She's got her own thing going on. But I'm pretty sure no matter what, no matter who you are, anytime your show gets canceled, it's got to suck. Moving on, with everything going on with Ice Cube, you know I had to throw in my two cents. So, for those of you who don't know, Ice Cube created a platinum plan that is supposed to help black Americans and apparently shopped the plan to the Democrats and Biden and uh, Kamala's side and the tr- and Trump and his administration. A lot of people, including me, were enraged when this came out. And let me tell you why it's valid. Much like Kanye, Ice Cube is now a pawn for the Trump administration. And before you hit me with the, well, he's trying to reason with Trump and help black people, I'll stop you right there. There is no reasoning with a man like Trump. He cares about nobody but himself, and unless Ice Cube has been living under a fucking rock, he should know that Trump doesn't give a single fuck about black people, and his handling of not only the riots, but the prosecution of crooked cops is proof enough. So Ice Cube is just another black man being used as a pawn in Trump's game. Because let me tell you, Trump and his camp probably haven't reviewed a single page of this platinum plan. And God forbid the man gets another term, nothing will change for the better and life will not improve for black Americans. So Ice Cube, you look fucking dumb for this move. I'm sorry. And what a slap in the face to the many black people who supported and are fans of Cube, who look to him as a strong black voice. This is the same man from NWA who wrote America's Most Wanted and Death Certificate? The same man who went on several rants in June? Come on, Cube, smarten up because this wasn't the move. And not only Ice Cube, 50 Cent sure did show his ass recently when he admitted to endorse, or not even admitting, he just flat out endorsed Trump because he wasn't a fan of Biden's um, tax brackets and and how he was taxing the rich. And I just gotta say that more and more black wealthy celebrities are showing their true colors and showing that they really only care about their wealth. They don't care about the fact that Trump doesn't care about black people. They don't care about how he's been handling the Black Lives Matter movement. He doesn't care about um, how he's pretty much admitted to being a white supremacist. They don't care about that. They care about their money. And it's kind of a shame. And you're definitely a sellout if you think this way. When you put your money and your wealth over your blackness and over your livelihood. And 50 Cent... I already wasn't a big fan. He He's not that great of a guy to begin with. I shouldn't be shocked, but it's a damn shame. There's a whole lot more I could say on the situation, but I'd rather just move on and get right back to talking about the music. So I wanted to talk about Benny the Butcher's new album, Burden of Proof. This was the first body of work I listened to from Benny. Overall, I think this album is very well produced. Shout out to Hip Boy, of course. Hitboy is always able to put together a well-packaged album with tight and consistent themes. He gave Benny some really great beats on this album. I know I'm not the first to say this, but it's true. Burden of Proof is very reminiscent of Jay-Z's debut album, Reasonable Doubt. He even had Pain in the Ass on the intro of this album, who has been on nearly all of Jay-Z's 90s albums. There are certain beats on this album that I could hear Jay on. I can say that Benny's strong suits on this album is his storytelling and his bars, of course. I haven't heard an album like Burden of Proof since the 90s or even the early 2000s. I joked with my dad that Benny is what Dave East thinks he sounds like because Benny actually sounds like an OG straight out of like 1996 
And Dave E sounds like he's trying to force a dated sound, but with Benny, it sounds way more natural. And it could be because Benny is a little bit older than Dave East. I believe Benny is in his 30s, his mid-30s maybe. So obviously he comes from that um, style of music and that background. So it's going to be more authentic coming from Benny. Like I said, Burden of Proof is well-produced and well-written, but overall it's just not my cup of tea. But listening from an objective ear, this is a solid debut, and I think Benny has a long career ahead of him. One critique I have is that some of the better songs off of this album are way too short, and as soon as I'm catching a vibe from it, it ends. Um, on first listen, this is what caused me to feel like the album was a little too rushed, but now I just feel like it leaves the listener yearning for more instead. Um, it really kind of sucks when the better songs off of your album are really short. But that seems to be the direction that the music industry is heading in to these days. A whole bunch of two minute and 30 second songs, which drives me crazy. Um, because if you can't handle a few four minute songs on an album, then that says more about you than it does about the music. Aside from Timeless, my favorites on this album are Burden of Proof, Sly Green, Trade It All, and Legend. So I wanted to talk about um, these songs a little bit. So I want to start off with Burden of Proof. The production on this track is very live. You can distinctly hear all of the instruments. The horns complement the electric guitar extremely well here. This again reminds me of a song from Jay's The Black Album. I also love the addition of Pain in the Ass on the outro of the track. The beat sounds like the ultimate comeback and Benny plays on that theme. Um, he just sounds super hungry. I think my favorite line on this track is, quote, I was eager, ain't no tomorrows, I could be dead tonight, which I think is um, a lyric that stands out, especially um, because of the times we're living in in 2020, seeing so many people die because of COVID or just die under really tragic circumstances. It just, every time I hear a line like this about living life to the fullest, I feel like uh, a true, true words couldn't be said for this year. I think that on this whole album, you can definitely hear Just Blaze's in, um, influence. Um, with um, Hip Boy's production on here, you can definitely tell he was inspired by a lot of Jay-Z's albums. You're going to hear me say that a whole lot, but it's true. Um, the next song I want to talk about is Sly Green. Again, I love this track because of the production. Hip Boy gave Benny a lot of live beats, and Sly Green is just nuts. I think Benny just skated on this track. As someone who's not really um, into this type of music, um, I definitely see myself replaying Sly Green a whole lot. Um, the next song I want to talk about is called Trade It All. I love the sample Hip Boy chopped up and slid into this beat. I also love the storytelling on this track as well. Benny did this well throughout the, this whole entire album, and that's one thing that will catch my attention on a rap album is if you're able to tell stories well, because I just love it. When it's done well, I, that's one of my favorite things about rap. Um, this song is really good, but again, too short. I definitely wish Benny did another verse for this song. Trade It All is, again, reminiscent, reminiscent of something off of the Black album, and you can hear Kanye's influence in the production. My favorite line for this track is, quote, more money, more problems, jealous niggas throwing looks. That's why every hundred bands I make, my clip grow a foot. Because there's no better, uh, there's no better feeling than stunting on people that was hating on you. That's just, that's just point blank, period. Um, the next song and the final song I want to talk about off of this album is probably my favorite song on this entire, um, album. It's called Legend, and it's a perfect ending for this album. I can't really explain why I like the song so much. The production is great, and 
Benny's flow glides all over the track with ease. It's just one of those songs that's perfect for listening to in the car because it's just really, really smooth. My favorite line here is, quote, My heart dropped when they put them TNT vans up. Now we getting caught by them TMZ cameras. Barely made it. We succeeded with the least chances. My team got a will strong enough to beat cancer. If I'm being honest, this most likely will be the first and last time I probably listen to a Benny album in full. Only because, like I said, he doesn't make music that's for me. It's probably not even supposed to be tailored for me. Whatever. But still, this is a great start for Benny and will probably end up being one of the stronger rap albums of the year. Most of my um, top 10 albums of the year so far are mostly R&B albums. I think R&B is really running things this year. There have been a few good rap albums that have come out. I I can't even say few. Few is a little too many. There have been a couple of good rap albums that have come out this year so far. Russ's Shake the Snow Globe was good. Amani's Limbo album was great. Detroit 2 was great, and Burden of Proof was a solid rap album, but there hasn't been, like, it wasn't like in 2018 where there are a lot of good um, rap albums that came out. It's been kind of lacking for rap this year, so, um, but I think Burden of Proof will most likely be on a lot of end of the year um, lists for rap albums. Deserves to be. Moving on, it looks like Cardi B and Offset are back together. Is anybody surprised? I'm not. This just proves the point I made on a past episode. This is all a publicity stunt to get attention for their new albums, I'm just convinced. Who are they fooling? They couldn't even stay separated long enough to make it believable. Oh well. Like, I'm telling you this, but like, I really don't care. But I mean, it's kind of hard not to talk about because that's all anybody's really been talking about on social media. And I'm pretty sure that was the point. They knew that if they announced a divorce, it was going to gain them some attention. And try as hard as they might, the Migos are on the decline. So it doesn't matter what stunts they even try to pull, whether it's a divorce or some other scandal. It's only prolonging the inevitable. Let's just hope Cardi's album lives up to to her first one. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I keep losing my words. Well, actually, I do know what's wrong with me. I did have some dental work done yesterday, so um, it's kind of, I won't say it's as hard to talk as it was yesterday, but um, I'm probably going to have a little bit more difficulty in the next couple of days, but just bear with me. I sound a lot better than I did yesterday. Trust me. So back to the music. Demi Lovato released another boring ass ballad. This time, I sound so, like, over it because I am. I'm over it with Demi. Um, and, and I'll tell you why in a little bit. I just want to talk a little bit about this song. Um, this time, her ballad is geared towards um, Donald Trump. The song is titled Commander-in-Chief. To me, this song is a lazy attempt at getting political and attempting to seem socially aware because it's what some artists read, non-black artists, find to be a trend instead of sounding genuine. Um, and it comes off very, very forced. The production is boring, the lyrics are half ass, and even Demi sounds kind of bored. And I wasn't feeling that whole take a knee line. I feel like that's a line that should be coming from a black voice, not Demi Lovato. I don't know what's going on in Demi's camp, but the singles she's been releasing this year have been very lackluster and very underwhelming. And this isn't a good sign for her upcoming album. They definitely need to all sit down and come up with a new direction for her music because this ain't it. 
I've seen a lot of you on Twitter blaming Scooter Braun, and he seems to be the main guy you guys blame when anything goes wrong with Demi or Justin or Ariana Grande. Um, And I feel like as their manager, he can really only do so much. It's really up to Demi to shape the direction of her album. The only people that really can control the sound of her album is probably her label. And I really don't even think they're the problem here. I really do think it's Demi. She's just, it doesn't sound like she's inspired. And I just, I don't know what could fix it except for her really sitting down, taking more time for this album and just creating something different. Because all the singles she's released so far this year, and I think she released a couple last year, they all kind of sound like half-assed versions of songs that she's done better in the past. So I'm, I can't really say I'm looking forward to her upcoming album whenever it drops because these singles are not really, they're really not cutting it for me. Moving on, Megan Thee Stallion tweeted that her album is sounding crazy and I can't wait to see and hear what she's got in store. Like I've been saying for the past few episodes, she's been having a great year musically, so I know she'll come through on an official album and she's about due for one, you know. She's given us some mixtapes, she's, you know, given us some EPs, but now it's time for a real album and I think it's going to sound incredible. And I'm here for it, man, I'm here for it. If I can't get a Nicki album this year, I definitely will be okay with a Megan album. So last week marked 19 years since Degrassi The Next Generation premiered in Canada. I loved that show. Like, loved that show so much as a preteen, and no other teen show was really able to capture what Degrassi did. During the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually re-watching the show from the beginning, but then I got sidetracked by thousands of other shows that I was watching. I'll eventually pick it back up again for sure, I think I left off of season four, which is the best season of the show, in my opinion. I I don't think that's an unpopular opinion at all, because that's when shit really starts to go down, and that's when the characters really start... You start really learning the characters more, the storylines are more serious, and you start... um, the, The characters start to have a little bit more depth in them, because they go through something as... Spoiler alert, they went through something as scary as a school shooting, and that can change almost anybody... Um, and the character started to change after that shooting, so that's when the show really, really starts to get good. Um, I was really happy when Drake reunited the cast of Degrassi for his I'm Upset music video in 2018, and hopefully they all come back together again in the future for a reunion special so we can see what the characters are all up to now. I think my favorite characters on the show were Jimmy, um, and Paige. Paige was such a bitch, but it was like one of those you gotta love to hate her types, um, and I loved Manny as well, and Spinner. But Spinner, I had like a hate, love-hate relationship with, and I don't, I don't want to say too much about the show. And it, it's been over for years. But I know there are a lot of, a lot of the younger generation are now getting into the show. So in case any of them are listening, I don't want to spoil too much. But um, Spinner, I had a love and hate relationship with because his character was such a dick in the beginning, like such a dick. And then eventually, you know, certain things happen to him that cause him to mature and he becomes a better person. So Spinner is just one of those characters, kind of like Alex Karev on Grey's Anatomy, where as the show goes on, you start to you start to like his character because they, he starts to become a better person. So moving on back to the music, of course, because there were tons and tons of new albums and songs released last week. Um, Leon Bridges and Lucky Day released a new collaboration called All About You, and I love it. 
It's a super smooth track, and Leon and Lucky's vocals complement each other well. And let's be honest, if Lucky Day is featured on a song, nine times out of ten, I'm gonna like it. He's very good about the the songs he chooses to feature on, so nine times out of ten, if he's on the record, it's gonna be a good one. Leon brings a deeper and smokier tone, and Lucky brings the smooth falsettos to the track. The production is pretty minimal, but the guitar and trap drums mesh well together on this track. I can't wait for Lucky Day to release a new album. Maybe he'll release one next year. I can't see him releasing one this year only because he finally released the deluxe version of his debut album Painted in May. So I think he's going to take his time before he puts out another album, which is fine with me because I still run Painted all the time and I haven't gotten tired of it yet. So I can definitely wait a little bit longer for a new album from him, but maybe we'll get lucky and get a new solo song from him before the year ends. So g Easy is another artist on the long list of releases from last week. He dropped a new song called Hate the Way, which features Black Bear. It's very obvious, at least to me, that the song is about his ex, Halsey, who's also a singer. I'm sure you know who she is. Um, and if the lyrics didn't give that away, the hook does, because there's a woman who sounds just like Halsey that sings a line in the hook, and that's not a coincidence either, especially because Halsey sings in a very distinct way that's hard to miss, so I'm sure this was intentional on g Easy's part. They were together for a long time, and considering the song is about missing an ex, it would make sense for him to miss her. I think the last time I heard anything about g Easy's dating life, he was dating Ashley Benson, um, an actress who was on Pretty Little Liars. I'm sure you know who she is as well. Um, that's the last time I heard anything about him. I'm not sure if they're together. I doubt the song is about her, though. Um, I can't give you a specific reason for why I like the song. I just do. It's a typical melancholy record with some trap drums included in the production. My favorite line on the song is, quote, I can't seem to find out what's the issue. See your face on my explore and then I miss you. Yeah, I said I was finished fucking with you. I said I hate the fucking way I always miss you. Just because it's relatable, but also as a celebrity dating another celebrity, it must suck to go on your explore page and see your ex constantly. But also, your explore page is based off of things that you like and search up, so that's kind of like you're doing it to yourself. Um, moving on from g Easy, Adele was announced as the next host of SNL, and much like Ariana Grande, it, this news kind of broke the internet as well. Um, and part of the reason why she broke the internet is because now rumors are flying that Adele is releasing an album this month. Now, if she was the musical guest as well, then I'd agree. But since she's only hosting, I don't think she's releasing her album this month. However, I do think she'll announce a new single set for next month. Adele usually releases a single right before she releases an album, so that makes sense. So whenever her next single comes out, her album will be right around the corner. Adele doesn't just pop up out of nowhere for nothing, so she's definitely gearing up to release music. I just don't think it's coming this month. This is probably the early stages of her coming back to the spotlight slowly because when Adele doesn't have music out, she's pretty much gone from the spotlight. And Adele also consistently releases her albums in the winter, so her dropping her album in November seems on par for what she usually does. I'm not saying artists can't switch things up, but Adele, I don't think Adele's ever going to really change her formula all that much. I guess in the end we'll see, but I'm really hyped for a new album from Adele. I think she's incredible. I know the internet is also up in arms because they 
for some reason think that Adele, Ariana, and Drake are going to release an album all on October 30th. And earlier in the episode, I already explained why Ariana and Drake most definitely aren't releasing the same day because they're two of Republic's biggest artists and a label is not going to have two of their big artists released on the same day that takes away money for promotion for both artists if it's split down that way. Um, and like I said, I really doubt Adele is going to release an album on October 30th. I, I would think that she would also be the musical um, performer if she was. And considering her is gearing up to drop an album sometime soon, it makes sense for her to be the musical host that week. Um, but like I said, it's probably around the corner and I can't wait for it. Um, so Stevie Wonder also released two tracks. Um... Can't Put It In The Hands Of Fate, which features Chica, Busta Rhymes, Rhapsody, and Corday, and another song called Where Is Our Love Song, which features Gary Clark Jr. These were released alongside the news of Stevie Wonder leaving his longtime label to have his own deal under Republic, and I don't know what Stevie's situation with owning his masters is, but under this new deal he has, he will now own any new music he puts out, which is great. I'm happy for Stevie because artists should be able to own their own masters, especially when it's music that you wrote and produced. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the songs. I wanted to talk about um, Can't Put It In The Hands Of Fate first. Stevie produced the song, of course, and it sounds exactly like what you'd expect from him. And though the production sounds a little dated, it's such a classic sound that it doesn't sound dated in a bad way at all. Um, it just proves that Stevie still got it and refuses to change his sound, and it works for him. And it's, like I said, a classic sound, so why would he change it? I love how live it sounds as well. I can hear every instrument so well, and it's just a breath of fresh air to hear music that isn't computerized. This track is a protest song for the Black Lives Matter movement, and it has plenty of important lines like, quote, So many lies within the campaign. A damn shame. I'm thinking, how will we survive when the freedom that we have is a facade? And also, quote, You say that you believe that all lives matter. I say, I don't believe the fuck you do. You say, all things in time. I say, that's why I'm not going to put it in the hands of fate. And can I just say, I was really caught off guard hearing Stevie Wonder curse. I like a few, of his, a few of his songs here and there, but I haven't heard all of his music, so I don't know if it's common that he does curse, but I definitely had to rewind the song to make sure that that's what I heard. Um, moving on to Where Is Our Love Song, this one is my favorite song out of the two. It's more of a neo-soul track, and I love the production on here too. I'm a huge fan of neo-soul, so it makes sense that I really like this record. I love what sounds like bongo drums in the production, and it's just really beautifully produced, and Stevie's vocals sound great as well. But that's not a shock either. He is Stevie Wonder. Um, I know Stevie Wonder's fans everywhere, including my Nana, are happy that he's finally releasing new music for the first time in a long time. I want to say I read that it was his first time releasing music in 15 years or something like that. So it's been a long time, and for me as someone who loves music, it's really going to suck when I get to that age where... My favorite artists like Beyonce and Drake are going to just go 20 years without releasing music and that it'll be a time where, oh my God, Drake is finally releasing music even though he, he releases music every year now. there's He's going to get to that point and I'm going to be in like my 60s or 70s and they're going to say, oh, Beyonce and Drake just released like a, a new album and I'm going to be as excited as I was at 22 when Black is King dropped, so um, that's gonna suck. <laughs> but so I'm just gonna enjoy all the 
I'm just going to enjoy my favorite artists consistently dropping music right now because I know there's going to be that time when they're not always going to. Um, moving on to her, which who I talked about a little bit just before, but she's dropping a new song this week called Damage and finally announced that her album is coming soon. She hasn't really given a date yet, but because, like I said, she's performing on SNL next week or this week technically, um, she's probably going to give the um, release date for the album. It makes sense. All of her singles have been incredible so far, so I think that her album is going to be incredible too. And the best thing I could have done was see her perform live at OzFest because I've been a fan ever since. She's incredible live and she's just, she's one of the best R&B, one of the best new R&B acts um, of this generation so far. She's incredible. So if you, if you've never heard a single her song in your life, which I don't believe you haven't, but if you haven't, definitely give her a listen because you won't be disappointed. If you love R&B, you will not be disappointed by her. Um, Kelly Rowland also released a new song last week called Crazy. I feel like you should be you should make my podcast a drinking game every time I say this person also released a new song last week. You could take a shot and probably get drunk by the end of this episode. This production is so, so good. The production is reminiscent of music from the 80s and has some slight house influences, but it's very slight. At least that's what I hear. I also love whatever sample they chopped up here. I went looking to see which sample they used. I couldn't find it, but I'm going to keep looking and to figure it out because I really like it. When I first heard this track, I wasn't crazy about it, but after another few listens, it grew on me. I always loved that Kelly never tries to chase a trend in her music. She makes the music that she genuinely wants to make. Crazy doesn't sound like anything that's out right now, and that's what makes it a breath of fresh air. I can definitely hear Sam Smith on a remix of this because it sounds like his kind of vibe. It's just a great song and I definitely recommend giving this a listen as well. Um, and this is about the, I think this is the second single that she's released from this album that I love. So I might have to check out this upcoming album from her. So before the episode ends, I want to talk about the song of the week. And the song of the week is No Tomorrow Part 2. By Brandy and Ty Dolla Sign. I'm pretty sure you guys are not surprised that this is the song of the week considering how much I praised it earlier in this episode. I already told y'all why I love this song so much so it was only right that I made it the song of the week. Um, check it out if you haven't heard it yet and tell me what you think. If you've heard the song already still let me know what you think. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, and we have come towards the end of the episode. So thank you guys so much for listening to me rant for almost an hour. And if you want to keep up with my podcast even further, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And now I have my own website for my podcast. You can find it under www.podpage.com slash listen to me speak. And you can connect with me through my website onto you can connect um with me on social media through my website like as soon as you go on my website you can see my tweets like a live stream of my tweets you can find my instagram my youtube all of that good stuff and i'm super proud of it shout out to my dad for um giving me the idea he gives me all these crazy cool um business ideas so shout out to him for that and um, I'm really excited about having this. I feel like I'm taking my podcast to the next level. So check out my uh, website. And um, I also want to say that um, you can support my podcast further by um, donating to it. You can um, donate as cheap as 99 cents 
all the way to $9.99. So if you want to see me take this podcast to even newer heights, definitely donate. I definitely, definitely appreciate it. And before I end this episode, I just want to say be kind to yourselves and thank you for listening to me speak.